Aina, I want to start with you. Let's go back a couple of weeks ago when on air you managed to name all 101 bee species found in Ireland against the clock. It was incredible. Number 98, the furry-bellied blood bee. Number 99, the blunt-jawed gnomid bee. Number 100, the ivy bee. And number 101, the hairy-footed flower bee. So, Aina, you were absolutely fantastic. Everybody's been texting in and calling in and shouting in and stopping me on the street, asking me, does she really know all 101 bee species or was it just a bit of magic on the radio? Well, of course I know all 101 species. What you see is what you get. But the last one, the hairy-footed flower bee, that really intrigued people and got their imagination going. This one was only discovered, you will remember, in 2023, earlier in the year, in Harold's Cross, in the parish next to where I am. But it was such a lovely name that you were thinking of a bee with hairy feet and a flower bee. You know, so this was a hairy-footed flower bee. Wonderful description of, indeed, a wonderful and very interesting bee. And I know what I think is really remarkable about it wasn't found in a far flung nature reserve. It was found in a Dublin suburb. It really is interesting. These could turn up anywhere. Yeah, this was actually, I went down to see it myself because it's it's just down the road from where I live. And it was it was actually the front of a row of houses where there was what other people might rudely describe as weeds, a whole lot of brassicas that had, had yellow flowers on them and the, this bee was in and out of these. And the person who was kind of minding the flower beds was coming out to have a, a go at tidying it up. And when she saw this amazing bee, she, she was really intrigued. She knew it was something different and left it all there. And I mean, if that had been changed to tulip, or something like that, it wouldn't have been there. So it's also the importance of, of leaving what comes up naturally, the wild things, which these things that were in the flower bed were. So they're there in all pride of their place. So we can't wait till next spring to see will the hairy-footed flower bee come back because the male is quite different in looks to the female. Quite a different dimorphism there, in fact. But they were both using this flower bed as a courting area and meeting each other. So it was great. And next door to where I live, imagine... I find it fascinating that they're called flower bees because what kind of bee isn't a flower bee? You know, they're, they're so associated with flowers. But I'm curious particularly, what is it about the hairy feet? Why do they need these hairy feet? Well, I expect the hairs on me. They say the hairs on their legs, certainly on the females, are what they have as pollen baskets and they bring the pollen back to the nest because, as you know, bees collect pollen to feed their young and then they collect nectar to, to make honey for themselves. And it's, it's amazing that in the 101 bees, this one is a flower bee, when, as you say, they all visit flowers, essentially, whether the flowers are catkins, indeed, or ones with petals on them, they're all flower bees, that's what they do. But that's why they have hairs, a lot of them. The pollen baskets on the legs are specially adapted hairs that are able to carry the pollen. So I imagine this one has just particularly good ones. Or maybe they just decided this hadn't been an English name before and they would call it the hairy-footed one. Probably there are other ones that have hairs on their feet. This is not the only one, but this is the only one with that name. (laughs) Richard, you've got hairy feet. Well, I wouldn't say they're especially hairy. Hair is a very important thing, you know. Um, I, I wonder about it, uh, why we lost it so readily. Probably so that we could cool down rather in the sun. And we ventured out when the other great apes couldn't because the sun, when the heat of the day would be too much for them. But for us, to lose our hair was a great thing. We could go out in the midday sun. Mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. And our ancestors went out in the midday sun and exploit a niche that 
that other things could not exploit. That's the theory. And we could sweat. Aha, that's the great thing. We could sweat. Perspiration would evaporate from our bodies and cool us down. Of course, there was a downside. We could be bitten by all kinds of creatures uh, and we were very vulnerable in many ways. But anyway, this, those are my initial thoughts about air. Shave your toes, Richard. Now, Aina, you've got a book out and we'll be discussing it a little bit later on. What's it about? A book for children. It's called Wonders of the Wild and it's my first venture into books for children. And I really enjoyed writing it and and it's lovely illustrations in it as well by Brian Fitzgerald. So it's out there. Your Christmas presents are sorted. <laughs> we'll talk about it towards the end of the programme. But Niall, as I put Aina on the spot a couple of weeks ago, I think it's only fair that we do it now with another expert. And you are an ornithologist. So are you ready, Niall? Are you sitting comfortably? Relatively so. The Relatively chairs so. aren't great, but OK. We can give you a cream or anointment for that. But at any rate, bring down the lights if you would. Here we go. So the lights are down and the contestant is now sitting in the seat. Your name, please. Niall Gerard Augustine Hatch. Profession? Head of Communications and Development at Birdwatch Ireland. And your chosen subject? Birds of Ireland. Niall, can you tell me the last bird to be entered onto the Irish bird list? Yes. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> well, well, it's not as easy as you might think, Derek. I, um, so Ireland is a, a very interesting place for birds. We're at the crossroads of many migratory routes. We're the first port of call for birds that get blown across the Atlantic in storm systems. And there's a committee that monitors such things. You have the Irish Rare Bird Committee, and they make their pronouncements and deliberations when people submit records to them. It's a whole process. There's a provisional list, uh, and certain things are then pending acceptance. But the most recent bird to be added to the Irish list, which practice stands at four. 485, which is very high for a country of our size. The most recent was just last week. It's a bird called the Cape May Warbler. Mm. It just turned up. One was found on Ackle Island. Cape May is the southernmost point of New Jersey over in the United States. It's a famous migration point where a lot of birds would head across the, the narrow gap in the sea there to get across the state of Delaware when they're heading south. Cape May Warblers don't actually breed anywhere near there, um, but they were noted there many, many years ago in migration which is where the name came from. Uh, and uh, it's a bird that... Uh, after a big storm system they brought a lot of these American birds other species with exotic names like Tennessee Warbler and Baltimore Oriole and species like that a Cape May Warbler was found on Ackle Island so What does it look like? It's actually a very pretty little bird um, I think that you know when we look at our European Warblers a lot of them look quite drab a lot of the North American Warblers are absolutely stunning it's almost the colours of a tiger it's gorgeous it's this lovely black white and orange blazing orange kind of bird and this was a particularly well coloured one a lot of the times when the juvenile birds turn up over here they're relatively drab compared to the adults in breeding plumage. This one is actually quite colourful. So beautiful looking creature. Tiny little sprite of a thing. To think that they can survive crossing the Atlantic, it's astonishing. And to think in those storm systems how many of the birds don't make it. The mm. vast majority must perish in the ocean. Get wiped out, yeah. Never seen again. But it must be very lonely if it's ended up here in Ireland and doesn't speak the language, can't understand a word we're saying, etc, etc. It doesn't have any friends. Can it mate? Will it head back? What's going to happen to it? What happened to it? Where is it? Nobody knows and that's the thing. Uh, what happens to these birds, they seem, first when they come over, understandably they're obsessed with feeding. They are starving. They've travelled a long distance for many days without any food. They have to try and find as much food as possible, get back into sort of condition. And the thing of course is that their migratory instincts are still screaming at them. It's saying, head south, head south, head south. They don't realise they're on the wrong side of an ocean. Uh, and so the theory is that they probably then, after they fed up for a few days, they head south. The bird has since disappeared 
and uh, presumably it's headed further south. It may turn up somewhere else, but the fact is it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. It may never be seen again. Uh, we, we just don't know. Richard? Well, we can thank the hurricanes and the Atlantic for something. It's They're not all bad. They're bringing these things across. These little birds could never get across unless the winds carried them here, which they did. And I think the person who discovered this is no one other than Michal O'Brien, who was Young Scientist of the Year way back in 1967 or sometime like that. I, I may be wrong on that. Is that true, Niall? It is. Michal was indeed the gentleman who discovered the bird, uh, living out on Ackle Island at the moment, had an illustrious career in, in, uh, in Europe with the European Commission, uh, was heavily involved with, with Birdwatch Ireland as well many years ago too. So uh, a man with a, a long pedigree and track record of, of working with, with birds and with the environment and very fitting that he would find it. And in such a beautiful part of the country as well. It's, 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 uh, it's amazing. And, and if you look at the geography of Ireland, Ackle Island is exactly the kind of place that you would expect birds like that to turn up. Places like the Mullet Peninsula as well, Loop Head, those headlands that are sticking out into the Atlantic Ocean. It's the first port of call for these exhausted, starving birds. They see a speck of land when they're in over the sea. They just manage to make it there and they often would stop off in the very first tree they find and just frantically look for food. So it seems that these tropical storm systems have brought quite a lot of these different species across. Uh, in, in, in Britain, particularly, where there's lots and lots of bird watchers, they're finding that uh, probably they're saying the best autumn on record for these North American vagrants that have accidentally crossed the Atlantic. And Wales particularly got quite a few, more than its usual fair share. So it would suggest that quite a few of these birds came south of Ireland and then up to that part of the Irish Sea and maybe just missed County Wexford. And I always think as well, how many of them must be missed? There's lots of bird watchers in Ireland, of course, looking out for them in the autumn. Them, but they can't cover every bush on every headland and every island and there certainly must be species that, uh, that, that disappear. Um, have you ever come across any of those rare vagrants yourself, Richard, when you've been out birdwatching? No, I haven't come across them here, but on the East Coast we wouldn't do that well from those kind of things. But of course, the other way, the ones that come from Europe and from Africa and places like that, that's another matter. You do get the odd one of those coming this way when the winds are right. Yes, and we're the last port of call for a lot of those birds before they head out over the Atlantic or be forced out there. So Ireland really does punch above its weight. And when you think that, as I was saying, it's 485 species currently recognised on, on the Irish list, species of bird, that is, it's really quite impressive. And I think could turn up, and they could they could turn up almost anywhere. Um, like, Aina, you were saying there about the bees. It doesn't necessarily have to be in some far-flung nature reserve. It could be in a suburban garden. I find it quite amazing. Niall, are you going to name the whole 485 species of birds? After all, I was asked to name all the bees. I mean, I know the programme is busy, but you should get them all said in maybe 15 minutes. (laughs) Okay, Niall, your clock starts now. (laughs) Number one, mute swan. Number two, pooper swan. Number three, Buick swan. Very clever, Niall. Did you spot that listener? He started with the swans. Not many species of swan in Ireland. He could have gone with the ducks. Maybe he would have tripped himself up there. Or he could have gone into the garden birds. <laughs> we know he would have got them all anyway. It doesn't matter. Anyway, one of the advantages of living in Ireland is that if we make a little bit of an effort, we could see a lot of the birds mentioned on the Irish bird list, particularly if we live near a parkland, because you can go in and there you can see a huge congregation of species, including the swans, the ducks and the garden birds. For me, it is certainly one of the reasons I love living in Dublin, because I can do just that if I want to. But it's not the only reason. Dublin can be heaven with coffee at 11 and a store through Stephen's Green. There's no need to worry. There's no need to hurry, you're the king and the ladies are queen. 
Grafton Street's a wonderland There's magic in the air There's diamonds in the ladies' eyes And coal dust in our hair And if you don't believe me Come and meet me there In Dublin on a sunny summer's morning Oh, the beautiful voice of Aoife Scott. And if she sounds like one of the Black sisters, it's because she is the daughter of Frances Black and the niece of Mary Black. And I was a huge fan when I was a kid. But at any rate, I'm delighted to see the family tradition keeps going on. Beautiful singer and a beautiful rendition of that song. I mean, I could have been tempted to play Noel Purcell's version of it, but I think Aoife Scott has done it justice. Anyway, why are we playing it? It's because we're going to talk now about some of the advantages of living in Dublin city centre. Please don't get annoyed with us. You can text us and tell us some of the advantages of living where you 